Hey everybody, welcome back to the Woman Amidst podcast. This is Katie Ray, your host, and I'm so glad to have you guys here for the second episode of our new season in 2023. Um, So if you guys haven't tuned in before and you don't know much about the Woman Amidst, we started a few years ago with the idea of creating community and connection for those of us who felt stuck and in the middle and in seasons of wanting and waiting, which is pretty much everybody. And yeah, I mean, as you guys know, it has transitioned a good bit from where it was, but in the same ways, it looks exactly how it is today. Um, And as we've gone throughout this journey, I've realized how much I identify with that story. Even this week, I was sitting there thinking about motherhood and how I feel so torn between, between being content in this season of motherhood and knowing it doesn't last forever, but also wanting the passions and careers and sense of self that I had before kids and sitting in this and finding gratitude and thankfulness for where I am and contentment in today, but then also still desiring and moving forward and taking steps towards some of the career or creative dreams that I have. Um, It's such a balance and I think that's what all of life is, whether we're wanting or waiting for something or grieving something, um, really life is about finding joy and purpose while we're in the middle. When we're not there, we haven't arrived yet. Um, And so that's what this podcast is about and the people that this is for. And in today's episode, I'm so excited for you guys. We have someone really special. One of my really dear friends, Anna from college. Um, I've had some pretty awesome experiences traveling the world with her. But today she's coming on and talking to us about singleness and specifically singleness in her 30s, which is a hard, sensitive and vulnerable topic. But I'm so thankful for her coming on and sharing her heart with you today. I know you're going to love her just like I do. So thanks for being here. And here's Anna. Amen. Let me make sure I'm recording. You're still recording? I'm still recording. Okay. Great. Oh, make sure you have like all your um know, I'm doing that like right email now. and stuff and things silenced. I don't know how to silence it. I just like deleted all of it. Or not deleted, exited it. <laughs> I just deleted it. No longer can people text us anymore. Honestly, that sounds nice sometimes. Uh, um well, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. <laughs> um, Anagram, everybody. Here she is. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Bananagram or Enneagram. Or just the word Anagram. <laughs> <laughs> or that one. Do you get that a lot? Uh, what? Yeah. Bananagram? Just like people call you Bananagram, Enneagram. No one has called me Enneagram. But <laughs> <laughs> Someone said it to me one time when I said your name was Anagram. They were like, oh, like Enneagram. And I was like, Sure, or like anagram. It's a very but... Christian subculture, I think, too. <laughs> yeah. No, um, everyone has always called me anagram, though, even my teachers. So The full name. Yeah, full name. My parents really did me in on that one. <laughs> like, And then I went to Georgia, you... and people thought it was my double name. And I was like, oh, goodness, here's a culture shock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the double name thing is shocking. I really fought it for a long time. Until I think I was a junior in college. It was the first time I ever actually signed my name as Katie Ray. Which is funny because that's when I met you and I only know you as Katie Ray. Yeah. It was like, I just say it was like God gave me a new name. (laughs) Not to be cheesy about it, but it did kind of feel like that. Like I just kind of had to embrace the new me because that was also when I feel like my life changed a lot. I think. Was when we met. Should we change this podcast to that? (laughs) I'd be 
<laughs> to, to what? <laughs> the new name and the Lord changing you. <laughs> That's actually what we're going to go into on this podcast. Uh, that'd be a good one. Maybe another one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> starting this podcast, I'm going to say I, um, I'm really excited to have you here just because you're anagram and because, um, yeah, just like our friendship got rekindled this last year and the more I've thought about it, the more I've been excited to share one who you are, but also just some of the stuff that we've been through. Like, I really don't know other friendships that I've walked through some of the like, um, as impactful seasons as I have with you. Yeah, that's facts. (laughs) (laughs) We went to Africa together twice Mm -hmm. and it was really life changing. Yeah. That those were some incredible trips. And then all yeah. of just cure was pretty impactful for me in my college career, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So for people who don't know, we did mm. uh, something together in college called Cure. Actually, I talked about it in the last podcast, um, which you will have heard by the time this one comes out. But <laughs> it was uh, we started like a organization on campus to help give back to this bigger organization that has hospitals around the world that does surgeries for children with disabilities. So we would throw like big events on campus uh one of them was like the spring shag which people would come out and i feel like that's probably really confusing if you're not from our <laughs> area not from shagging university means. of georgia <laughs> yeah. um, swing dancing south <laughs> swing dancing yes thanks um <laughs> yes it was like a big swing dancing night where people would come out and then during the summer we did trips to mm-hmm. visit the hospitals which was really cool we did well you and i went to uganda and zambia, zambia together yeah you didn't go to Kenya, which was a shame, mm-hmm. but such is life. Yeah. I don't even yeah. remember. Did you go to Kenya after Zambia? Um, maybe Kenya was after. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it was after. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I, I was moving and. Yeah. Yeah. Doing all that. Cause I did Uganda twice and then Kenya mm-hmm. or and then Zambia and then Kenya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, it was a great time. So that's where our friendship started. But looking into that, let's talk a little bit about who you are so people can have an understanding. Anna Graham, who are you? Who am I? Um, It's a loaded question. Okay, let's just start with like family, career. Yes. Where do you live? Well, maybe don't give people your home address, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, my patients know where it is, but um, yes, yeah, so I am Anagram. My parents named me that, not knowingly, until I was in high school, and they put it together. Um, and That's I, hilarious. I know. They had no idea. They had no idea. Because <laughs> they would call me Anna, or like my middle name is my grandmother's maiden name, Summers, and so they call me like Anna Summers. I was like, well, that would have been a perfect uh-huh. double name. But that would anyways. have been a great double name. Wow. Yes. Anna Summers. So I grew up in Connecticut, um, but culturally was more Southern. I remember my friends in the in the North would always say that I was like a Southern belle in New England because my whole family is from the South. So both my parents were born and raised in Georgia. Um, Wait, what is that? Um, let's like dive into that. What does that mean a little bit? If you're a Southern, Southern belle, belle living in, in Connecticut, Connecticut, what does that mean? That's a great question. Um, I wonder what they meant about it in high school. I mean, <laughs> other than the fact that I loved Georgia football, I liked country music. Um, I grew up hunting, shooting guns, mm. which is not the norm in Connecticut. Right. Okay. So like all of those just like 
cultural, like what the Northeast thinks of the South, they were like, oh, Anna. You did those things. Does those okay. things. And her family does those things. Um, like family has a farm in Georgia that like Thanksgiving, all the men go hunting in the morning and the women like cook, which right. I love, but mm-hmm. others get offended by it. Um, <laughs> by the hunting or by the women being in the I kitchen? I think by the gender, gender okay. roles. <laughs> Um, but no, anyways, I digress. Yes. Grew up in Connecticut, um, went to school at the university of Georgia, which is where I got to meet the lovely Katie Ray and, um, went to nursing school at Georgia. And then after nursing school, moved to North Carolina where I worked as a nurse, um, and then went back to grad school to become a nurse practitioner and then lived in, yeah, a total of North Carolina about five years. And then three years ago now, moved back up to Connecticut because I got a great job as a nurse practitioner up here. So yeah, I live in Connecticut and, what and do I work you, as a nurse Can you talk about what you do in nurse practitioner? Life? Sure. Yeah. I am an yeah. adult nurse practitioner, so I love kids, but um, I don't like them when they're sick and their parents are mm. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, yeah, I, um, I did adult primary care, and then I did a specialty in HIV-AIDS medicine. So um, what drew me back up here was, uh, well, my mentor, who um, was the first person to ever get me introduced. He's a doctor that uh, also specializes in HIV. But anyways, he was running this clinic up here and asked me if I'd be thought about coming back, and they put together a, a package in which I could work part of my time in infectious disease, so working with people Mm. who live with HIV, and then part of my time working in our homeless street medicine clinic. Mm. And I was like, well, that sounds like a great deal. So, sure. (laughs) So here I am, (laughs) and that's what I do. I mean, also really humbling, because I can't imagine going out into the streets. Like, I mean, that's what you do. Like, you'll send me a Marco Polo about how you're, like, going under a bridge to tent cities and... Yeah, this morning, 7.30. Meeting people in their homes. A.M. Yeah. We were under a bridge and it was snowing. It was kind of magical. Oh, gosh. But, um. <laughs> See, magical is not how many people would describe that. But I love that about you. I love that you had such clear vision of wanting to do that and now you're doing it. Yes, that has definitely been uh, a cool thing to realize this year. Of Pretty much since senior year of high school, I have wanted to be a medical provider, um, specifically working with people with HIV and Mm -hmm. in like underserved communities and it's been cool to realize that oh wow like I've accomplished that goal that I've had for so long what what was the driving factor for serving that population (laughs) are we making a podcast (laughs) about this because that was the original (laughs) we did talk about that we are going to get on to the real topic but I just feel like it's significant to know just like your heart just because yeah. it's getting people getting to know you. Yes. I, I have always wanted to serve um, in a capacity that was with um, underprivileged communities. And I first did that through mission trips at my church growing up. We would do um, like soccer camps in the inner city. And then um, originally I thought I was like, 
I wanted to become a lawyer and like an ambassador and write policy and all this stuff. And it was actually my parents who were like, mm, you're a horrible writer. So maybe you should consider something <laughs> Love else. Love the honesty. You're, like, you're great at science and math. Why don't you consider medicine? Um, that's awesome. And so that's when my senior year of high school, I went with that doctor to Ethiopia and he was putting on AIDS clinics and, I loved the ability to, um, to get in to someone's life tangibly and in a really vulnerable way. Um, a lot of the patients that we saw in Africa, they were shunned by their community for having HIV, um, shunned by the community for not going to local healers, um, for their treatment and instead taking medicine. And Mm. I just saw the way in which medicine allowed, um, well, one, a tangible way to, like, provide a need that someone had, um, but then also to get into this place that can feel really broken and dark for people. Um, And then, this is not to say that medicine is the light, because ultimately I believe Christ is, but I think he can use medicine to to help people feel known and to feel dignified. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of what drew me to HIV care and then um, the homeless care I think aligns with that and that it's serving a population that feels really outcast by society and a lot of times feels very hopeless situations they feel like they don't have dignity most people don't know their names Um, and so as their medical provider we get to come in and know their names and give them a, a hope and a dignity hopefully that their life is valuable and has worth and ultimately I yeah I believe that because I believe they were made in the Lord's image but um yeah yeah I'll never yeah. forget when I was um I don't know if you remember this but I like went on tour with a few bands mm-hmm. with Cure um yeah, yeah Shell and Judah and the Lion and the Vespers and a few different bands and I like sold merch and spoke on stage about who Cure was which was very exciting but I just will never forget um this story of this woman who um, afterwards I like spoke about who Cure was in these surgeries and she was a homeless woman and came up to me and gave me like she had nine dollars that she gave me Um, and it was a a really emotional moment and I got to talk to her afterwards and she was telling me she wanted to give the money to these kids surgeries Mm -hmm. because she wanted to be able to help and it just reminded me so much of the widow's might you know where like for her nine dollars was more than millions Mm -hmm. that some other people could give um and in christ's eyes like it's our heart posture of how we give and love and serve but one of the things she said to me afterwards um was just that she knew what it was like for people she knew what it was like like for these kids with disabilities for people to walk by you and pretend you weren't human Mm. or pretend you weren't there and I just remember being super impacted by that thinking about the homeless community and just like honestly a huge portion of our world in general just people living marginalized in poverty the homeless HIV like they're stuck in a cycle of pain hurt brokenness need want um, mm-hmm. And then for humans to not recognize or even treat them like other humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like her desire to give was just because she she identified with how these kids might feel. Um, anyways, it was yeah. just really powerful. So thinking about doing that on like a t- day-to-day tangible level, because I feel that even now, like you drive up to a streetlight and you see homeless people on the side asking for money. Like it's easier to just pretend they aren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this is not what this podcast is about. Say, are we pivoting? <laughs> We're not pivoting. I would We're be glad Abraham. to because this is what I originally <laughs> signed on to talk about. And then Katie Ray pivoted. And, then I, <laughs> and I was like, then I coerced you to talk about other things. Think. Guys, part two, Instagram, we'll be talking more about this. But I just, um, I feel like it's important to note because even talking about like basic right human desire mm-hmm. of just wanting to be seen I just love that that's yeah. what you do every day and I'm super inspired by it to be like to engage more I don't know the answers of how to engage all the time um yeah but I don't either like to engage and that, I don't know who really has the answers but to at least like treat people with the, that dignity and honor is so huge yeah um absolutely yeah okay guys I'm gonna stop myself now before I start going down the direction what we are actually here to talk about today is something that is also difficult to approach, um, which is singleness and just these seasons of intense waiting um, and specifically looking at how that that desire hits with, um, yeah, just hits with desire, desires for things that are good but haven't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it feels like a really sensitive talk, topic to talk about waiting in general because you have the dichotomy of people who are waiting and the people who have received. And so it's almost, okay, not to bring this correlation, but in some ways it does feel like that because it does sometimes feel like the elephant in the room. Like whenever you know that your friend is waiting for something, Mm. you want to engage with them in that season of waiting, but you don't want to hurt them and you don't know how to respond. So you almost avoid avoid it. And so this conversation with Anna, I'm so grateful for her coming on here and being willing to talk about this because I have received a lot from her about how to love my friends who are in seasons of waiting well, which is honestly, we're all waiting for something. But Mm. I think sometimes when it comes to singleness or even um, entering motherhood, those tend to be the more sensitive areas of waiting mm-hmm. that we're in. So Anna's coming on here to talk to us about that, which whether <laughs> you are in that season or not, I think that could be, this is a really important conversation because like I was saying, I, I hope it will give all of us a sense of how to engage and love and not avoid things that feel hard mm-hmm. or hurtful, but but enter into those seasons, even if you're not the one walking through it. So that's my intro about this. Anna's the one who's going to be talking about it, obviously not me. So let's dive into Anna. Let's just talk about what you told me was like the most significant point in your story, which was the turning point for you, which was turning 30. Yeah. So let's let's yeah. start there. Turning 30, which is fun <laughs> for everybody. Let's be real. Yeah. It's like a slap in the face. You're like, oh gosh, 30. I mean, I have to say, I am really grateful for Katie Ray. um, Because I'm pretty sure that she's the only person that could get me on a podcast to talk about singleness. (laughs) Um, I I am someone. Hopefully, not forced you on (laughs) here. No, no. No, you gave me multiple outs. But no, I, I think it's probably helpful for people listening to this who don't know me is that I I am an extrovert and you meet me and I love people. I talk to every person in the room. Um, and I like to immediately dive deep with people. Um, but I don't, I'm not as good as letting people do that with me. And so, um, so specifically like anything that I view as vulnerability or being vulnerable, I have a very small group of people that I allow myself to be completely vulnerable with. And, 
and singleness is a vulnerable topic if I'm being honest. And so that was, yeah. When Katie Ray first posted the podcast, it was talking about serving underserved. And I was like, sure, I could talk about that all day long. And then she was like, Oh, I actually think you should talk about singleness. And I was like, Nope, (laughs) that that is off limits. But, um, and and then I forced her to do it. Just kidding. I didn't force her. No, no. But I think I think it is good to talk about because I don't think yeah. it's someone I think a lot of times it gets talked about in terms of like, I was single and now I'm not. So let me like in hindsight 2020 talk about it. But um, but no, I'm I'm currently single and married um, and about which, to turn 31. Yeah, I, which I think is I think you're right. I think most people want to get to the other side of it before we will open up. Yeah. But I think what I've learned from you is. Um, it's in the middle of the seasons where, and what this whole podcast is about, where some of those really rich moments are, and we can either try to like push past them and avoid them or like press into these seasons and say that God has us exactly where we are, which literally I've told myself a million times, um, over the last few months of us talking more mm. is being like, this is the season God has me in. Mm-hmm. How do I find joy in it? Because I hear that's something that you repeat over and over again. Like, this is the season God has me in. And I've got that, gotten that a lot from you. So I think that's really valuable to come on here exactly where you are yeah. and share with people, <laughs> yeah, even though yeah. it doesn't feel easy. Yes. And I should also, like, preface this by saying so many of what I'm going to say is what either I've read um, from really wise people or heard from really wise people like a lot of it is not my own words um so I'm grateful for yeah the people who are around me and then also people like Uncle Chuck uh also formerly known as Charles Spurgeon um I quote him a lot <laughs> I was like who's Uncle Chuck I call Chuck? him Uncle Chuck um but like to your point yeah. he has a quote that I have recited many times in my life um, I'm going to butcher it, but basically it says something on the lines of, if you were supposed to be anywhere else than where you are right now, divine love would put you there. Um, so yeah, divine love has put me in the spot right now. And I think the... Can you say that one more time? The quote? <laughs> yeah, say the quote one more time. If you were supposed to be anywhere in the world than where you are right now, divine love would put you there. Hmm. Um, That's really good. Yeah, it's... It's been really helpful in a lot of different seasons, but I think um, going back to your original question or prompt, whatever it was, turning 30 last year um, felt like a a pivotal moment, I guess, in a way. I am someone that um, I like to, you know, always talk about what's good and like there's always the head and the heart. And my head knows all the truth. Or, well, no, that sounded really arrogant. I don't. My head does not know all the truth. But it's like my head knows everything. <laughs> but it's like the head can recite scripture and can recite like doctrine and these like really great theological things that are good groundings. But then it's like, hold up, but my heart is just yeah feels lonely and has mm-hmm. this desire that hasn't been met. And and how much of that desire am I putting? you know, the desire to, you know, meet someone and have a husband one day, like how much of that is too much of a desire. And just, yeah, I, I'm someone that can overanalyze and overthink a lot. So, Mm. so last year turning 30, I recognized that, you know, just the, the, um, the fact that 
I was in a different spot than I expected to be. And, um, and I wasn't someone who was always, I mean, we talked a lot about my career that has always been a a huge passion of mine. And so it's not like I've always been someone that's, that's been like, you know, what is your life dream to be married and have kids? Like that was always like, Oh yeah, I hope for that one day. But like, I also have this desire to become a nurse practitioner and to work with these people and have all these goals. And so I think, um, turning 30, it, I realized that I was having a shift. Um, and maybe that was because I've, mm-hmm. I did accomplish certain goals already, but, um, but yeah, I think just one of my friends was like, you're mourning the loss of an expectation. And it was the loss of an expectation that I didn't even realize was there. And that was, I was 30 and I was single and I realized I did have this desire, um, to meet someone and, to be married and that was not in front of me um while also being yeah back in Connecticut and that's a whole nother (laughs) podcast (laughs) alone about um going back home yeah going back and (laughs) wondering like was it the right decision or not I don't know I still don't but um no it was the Lord's purposeful in it so hmm yeah so how have you wrestled with desire then and I mean, I know we've talked a lot through that of how, like how you cope with having desire, um, and it's unmet, mm. like just putting it simply. So how, mm-hmm. yeah. How have you wrestled with that? Yeah. I think in my earlier like twenties, um, I always thought that to be content in singleness meant that I didn't desire to be married. Um, and so if the Lord had me single, that meant that I wasn't supposed to be married. And so therefore I'm going to be content in the singleness, which means I can't, you know, pray for this or hope for this. And, and, and that was, yeah, that, that was definitely a mentality that I had for a long time, but the truth of the matter was that I did desire it. Right. And so me just like trying to suppress it and, um, and not give it a voice or not recognize that it was there ended up, I think making it so that I was desiring this thing and was expecting that it would come. And so surely by 30, it would be there. So then at 30, when it wasn't, it was like this overwhelming, like, Oh wow. I had this expectation on the Lord this entire time that I never allowed myself to actually dig into. And now it feels a lot more painful that it hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. One of the big things that I know we've talked through and one of my mentors had told me once and it stuck with me with desire is that like we have the tendency to suppress it. mm -hmm. So like we want to say, like you're saying, I'm content. I don't need this. I don't have this desire. And so we push it aside opposed to surrendering and how surrendering desire looks so different than Mm -hmm. suppressing it because surrendering desire makes you acknowledge it and usually on a daily fashion Mm -hmm. like I mean looks like going before the Lord and saying I have this I still want it I give it to you this is what I want but if not then you're still good Mm -hmm. and I know what you have is better Um, and that's something I've heard from you kind of echoed a lot of like how you've kind of transitioned to the season of surrendering and accepting the desire so what does that look like today? (laughs) Yeah. So I guess in continuing the like theme, I, 
Um, I'm also someone that doesn't cry a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and my, my friends, like you can ask all of them, they'd be like, I think you need to cry. And I'm like, "Mm, I think not. Um, (laughs) and part of that is I, I grew up, I grew up in a very strong household with two wonderful older brothers. And so they never cried. (laughs) And so in my mind, crying was weak. Um, and I'm like, I want to be anything other than, but than weak, but, um, which I don't agree that crying is weak. Um, so I'm just going to put that out there, (laughs) but anyways, so, so yeah, I, so the times that I cry is usually if I'm just generally sad about something, but also if like the Lord is like kind of smacking me over the head, it's like Hmm. one of those for me crying is those moments where it's like, Hey Anna, Hmm. the Lord is trying to speak to you right now. Are you going to listen? Yeah. So I had one of those moments, um, where this sounds so ridiculous, but (laughs) here we are. So I'm just going to (laughs) share, but I was actually on social media and it was something, it was my best friend in the entire world. And she is pregnant about to have a baby, which I'm so excited for. And she was holding her other baby who's almost one and her like mom had posted it and I saw the photo and just started like weeping, just like absolutely Mm -hmm. sobbing. And, and I was like, what in the world? Like, why am I like weeping right now? And it had nothing to do with like, you know, the, the posts that her mom did or whatever, but it was just one of those moments where the Lord was like, you're actually not okay with being single. Cause that was always my thing. I'm like, to be a strong woman of Christ means that I'm okay being single while the Lord has me single. And, and that was one of those moments where it was like, Anna, you're kind of kidding yourself. You're actually not okay being single. And like, you need to bring this before the Lord. Um, Hmm. and then around that time, I, um, I listened to this woman, her name is Paige Brown and she was leading a Bible study on the story of Hannah. And the theme was just like, how a desperate heart turns to a dependent heart. And that came very timely. Um, someone sent that to me after all of this and just listening to that, I realized like, Oh, I have a desperate heart right now, but what does that look like to, for it to become a dependent heart? Um, and I think that was a lie that I, I had been listening to was that I had to be content like being content in the Lord meant being content with singleness Hmm. and what I think I'm still learning and will probably continue to always learn is that contentment is not based on your circumstances. It's based on Christ and Christ alone. Hmm. And so it's like the Lord does not Hmm. call me to be content in this circumstance. The Lord calls me to be content because he is at the core um, and all it sits on the throne of my heart. And so that is why you're content, but Hmm. that's hard (laughs) when you have desires that, don't seem to be coming to fruition at the time that you Mm -hmm. expected them to, you know? Yeah. So did this, like, have you, did you feel like it impacted your, like, did it impact your faith in the Lord in not Mm. seeing him come through, like trusting him with that and finding contentment in him or no? I think so previously. So yes, it definitely did. Um, And I actually wrote down, there's like a 
a devotional that I read that I realized like smacked me across the face because I had just realized, um, or I, I viewed, there was this common theme that, you know, there'd be a potential guy or there would be a guy and it would seem really great and it would seem like, you know, this is what the Lord would had or something. And then all of a sudden it would be removed. And for those years that I was in North Carolina and then even probably like my first year being in Connecticut, I would have said the theme of the Lord in my dating life is that he dangles these carrots in front of my face only to remove them. Um, and I read this devotional that I feel like I should just read it honestly, cause it's like so good. But I realized that that view of the Lord had, hmm. um, sent me into like years long of doubt, of doubting his plan of doubting. He was really sovereign. Like if I'm like thinking that this Lord who we read about in scripture, who says he loves us, who literally gave his life for us so that we can be like eternally his, like if he, if I'm reading that, but at the same time, I also am thinking that he's like, like a cruel puppeteer. That's just like holding something out my desire in front of me to only remove it. It's like those two things, Hmm. that's an oxy, like those don't go together. Um, and so let's see this devotional. Okay. So the like first, he like always gives like a little blurb and then like talks about it. So the blurb is if you trust only when you understand, you'll live with lots of doubt. God's wisdom is bigger than anything your mind can conceive. And it says, if you and I suspend belief at every encounter with mystery, we will spend large portions of our lives not believing. If we question God's goodness and love every time he acts in a way that is unexpected, we will end up concluding that he is not good. Hmm. And it says you rest in the fact that in his word, he has told you all things you absolutely need to know. And then you rest in the complete perfection of his wisdom and character. You rest not because you know, but because the one who knows it all is the definition of what is wise and what is good. Um, And so I think that that was extremely convicting because, yeah, up until then I had viewed like all of these quote unquote missed opportunities as the Lord just like dangling desire and removing it. Um, Hmm. And then through that devotional and yeah, what I... I talked about in this last year, um, realizing that that is not the Lord's character. And like, that's putting God in a box to say that like something that doesn't make sense to me must not be a part of his plan or must not make sense to him. And it's like, no, the mysteries to me are not mysterious to the Lord. Um, yeah. And Charles Spurgeon also said, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, Uncle Chuck. Uncle Chuck. Um, when you cannot trace the hand of the Lord, trust his heart. And one of my friends said that to me this fall, and that has been a quote that has really stuck with me. Yeah, it's really good, really powerful. Just like what trusting – so what does trusting in the Lord's heart look like on a day-to-day for you then? <laughs> <laughs> Loved your face when I asked that. Um, You're like, why? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I think, I think one, it's it's going before the Lord every day, like 
I, I am in a place where, um, not just in singleness, but just in life, like the big question of like, what is my trajectory, Lord? Like, where am I going? Will I be here? Like yeah. go somewhere else or meet someone? Why not? Like, um, I, yeah, I find myself in a place where it's like my, my head and my wheels are going to keep spinning until I sit in silence with the Lord. Um, or when I read a devotional or when I just go before him in prayer. Um, hmm. and, and yeah, I think I'm in a place right now where I've never felt more unsure of what my future looks like while also feeling so dependent on trusting that the Lord does. Um, and so yeah. in all the moments of unclarity or confusion or um, just constantly reminding myself that it's not confusing to the Lord. Um, yeah. So. I think one of the harder things to accept in in a life of faith, and at least I felt this, is um, the idea that like we surrender and let the Lord do what he will for the ultimate purpose of creating us into who he wants us to be mm-hmm. um, and his and like his will being done, which is kingdom like the, his kingdom coming on earth, enjoying him obviously, mm-hmm. and like sharing him with others, right? Like in essence, that like great commission is what he has called us to. That's the, like the big picture. And he will do what he needs to do to create us into that, to be a piece of his kingdom. Anyways, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but I feel like the like one of the hardest parts I've struggled with is surrendering just that idea that he can do what he wants to do mm. to create that in me. And It's Mm -hmm. not going to always look like what the world desires or what I desire in the world. And I think he does like a, like a really good father. He really does want to give us the gifts that we desire, but Mm -hmm. he sees a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And I think walking, um, with that belief in him of like, he's going to do what he wants because he sees more, but he's not an out of touch, you know, ruler dictator Mm -hmm. who's doing what he's a father doing that. Yeah, I think that was a really big thing in my life that I had to comprehend um, that like I have to surrender to what he wants, but also believe and trust that he really wants good for me, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just like a pawn in his game. Yeah. Like what you're saying, he's not just like dangling something and doesn't care. He like actually cares more than I understand. But that's that's like hard to actually comprehend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, something I've talked about a lot throughout life, and um, I used to, like, lead a small group in North Carolina, and they used to always laugh at me whenever I would say this, because I would always talk about, like, what is the posture of your heart? And they'd be like, oh, here Anna goes with talking about the posture of the (laughs) heart again. But I really think that 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 is huge, and um, Mm -hmm. because for me, when I ask that question in these different seasons and different moments of my life, it really will show me what I am sitting on the throne of my heart. Like, yeah. And it's not always the Lord. Yeah. Um, we give time to what we worship the mm-hmm. most. Like that's, if you want to know where your heart is, look at where all your time and investment and thought goes. So. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And something that 
I think this year I've been thinking a lot about too has been what does it look like to hope for something but not hope in something Hmm. and I think that's that's where that's where the posture of your heart comes in um because it's it's asking like what's the posture of your heart and where does your hope lie um and if I ask myself that question and it's not Christ then that kind of answers my question of why am I discontent um because that's something yeah that I think we can all really struggle with yeah definitely I feel like one of the things that I like love love obviously spiritually based podcasts but one of the things that I feel like is frustrating sometimes when I listen to them is that I can hear the spiritual principles and I'm like, yes, I should feel that. My head feels that, but my heart doesn't. <laughs> so how do yeah. I bring a head truth to heart translation? You know, um, mm-hmm. and and so I would love to hear for you. I know that it's a daily thing. This isn't like a one-time fix-all. God's a pro- God of processes. He's not like a, and we're done here, you know? Yeah. Um, so like even, and that's the, that's the big thing. And you and I talked about this. Like even if you weren't single right now, these would still be truths that you would be learning as yes. we all are. Because while these are applicable in this area of your life, like, yeah, translating these truths of who God is and how we believe in him and how we walk out our faith of surrender and desire will be a lifelong thing because mm-hmm. we're just like, this is an eternity yet. So here we are in the broken world. Mm-hmm. Um, but would love to say here, like, how do these heart, her head things translate to heart and yeah and what does that look like for you yeah yeah I think just going back to what you said um first and foremost I like had to answer the question this year of is my life going to be fulfilled if I never get married Hmm. and the answer was always yes but I didn't believe it you know like I knew the answer to that like the Christian Sunday school answer is like, well, yes, my life will be fulfilled because I am in Christ. And I'm like, cool. I don't feel that. Like (laughs) I I can say that all the day, but, um, and so I think part of this year has been the Lord really transforming that of saying like, no, the answer really is, is yes. Like I believe that, um, that quote that we used to always talk about, but like, does the potter not know I'm butchering it, but like, does the potter not know what the clay is meant for? Um, or like, what is the clay to say to the potter? This is what I meant for it. Like, and, and I think just recognizing like if a word really did create me and not only did he create me, cause I think sometimes that can feel like this God that's way over here and not really in mm-hmm. the things. And, and it's like, yeah. the Lord not only created us, but like he came down to our level Um, and he desires like intimacy with us. Um, and if all these things are true, then who am I to question what he has made me for on this earth? And like, and also recognizing that this earth is not it. I think that sometimes Mm. I can get wrapped up in wanting to make this earth eternity and it's not. Um, and so, yeah, I think in being single and in dating and even in, things ending like really asking the question 
you know, what is the answer to disappointment or what is the answer to singleness? And it's not a relationship. Um, it's ultimately Christ. But I guess to your question, that can disconnect from the heart. Well, I think, I think one of the, the ways that I've like translated it in my own life was looking at the deeper fears behind it. Like, um, I mean, I met Nick when I was 25, which is still young. At the time, it felt not young because <laughs> all of our friends got married at like 20. Yeah. Like they were 17 and had rings on their fingers. Not really. But you know what I mean? They were, I was in 17 uh, 21. Weddings. That's not that <laughs> Literally. I was in 17 weddings at 25. And I was yeah. like, I've been a bridesmaid. I'm like almost 27 dresses pretty much. Mm-hmm. I'm close to it. I'm close. I'm pretty close. Like, <laughs> and just like being in the South. So everybody does. Um, and I think one of the things I had to process was like, um, and just like in any season now avoiding, like, what are the fears that are behind this mm-hmm. of like, am I going to feel significant if I'm not significant to someone? Mm-hmm. Am I going to feel um, lonely if I mm-hmm. am alone? Mm-hmm. Am I going to feel like it's the deeper fears of like, yes, I want X, Y, and Z, marriage, motherhood, career, purpose, calling, like whatever it is that we're waiting for, healing, like, and when we break it down to go, what am I afraid of not receiving if that isn't answered? Um, when we break it down, that's where I think we can really find the tangible like footprints of God mm. in our life mm-hmm. because then we start to look back and I, I got to read the Bible in a year, the last two years I've done it. Um, and it, it's been really good because if you read the Bible, literally like one of the main themes of the Old Testament is them being like, hey, remember all the ways that God answered those mm-hmm. promises? Like literally yesterday. Not yeah. really, but you know, like, hey, don't forget, like, look at what I've done. Remember what I've done. Remember what I've done. Um, and when we remember what he's done, that's when we believe what he'll do. Mm-hmm. Like he has already given us the testament. And I said this to you earlier, but like um, before we got on the podcast, Revelation 19, I've always loved. And it says, look to me, um, like, don't bet on to me. Um, but look to God for our testimony is prophecy for what Christ will do in others. I, I paraphrase that. That is not <laughs> too cheap. I will link in the show notes what it actually is. But I love that because our testimony is prophecy for what Christ will do in us and in others. And so when we look back, we see what he's done. And that for me has been huge. Like my time with walking with God started when I was 20. Um, but when I look back, from now until then, and I start to feel seasons of loneliness or questioning, and I look back at the way I've tangibly seen him show up in those areas of, am I going to feel alone? Like for me, even now, I've been really afraid of that moving to Australia, moving Mm -hmm. away from community, and being out here on my own, and doing it while mothering, where it's hard to like connect because you're inside for a week straight with sick kids, (laughs) i.e. me right now. But I look back and I'm like, I have seen God show up when Mm. I was the most alone, the most down in my entire life. I saw people show up and throw me a random birthday party at UGA when it wasn't my birthday. This is a true story. A bunch of guys in this like (laughs) male fraternity threw me a birthday party when it wasn't my birthday. I'd just become a Christian. I was so alone. And that's where I met like the majority of my good girlfriends in college. And it's like, 
I've seen him show up for me in an area that I felt loneliness. And now, you know, I think there are ways that he answers it and it may not be the answer that we want. Mm -hmm. Like that, that desire of loneliness we might want in a lot of different ways or my friends who want to be mothers and it may not be answered. They want in the way they want to be a mother in that moment. doesn't mean he's not going to in the future, but I do think he'll meet our needs now of being alone with other people, but then also with himself mm-hmm. and intimacy. And it's when we open up those deep fears of, I am afraid of X, Y, and Z, um, which is really hard to go to. I'll speak for myself. I think one of my greatest revelations of the last few years is realizing how much I desire security, security mm-hmm. in friendship, security in myself, in just around me and how I'll like go a lot of lengths to make sure I feel secure. I have mm-hmm. a plan. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I have a five-year plan. My future is secure in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look at that, it's because I'm afraid of what insecurity will do to me and who I'll see myself as if I don't have that. And instead of trusting the Lord in it, I want to manufacture it in my own strength. Um, but the Lord has met that deep fear in me throughout my whole life and my whole adult life and following him. And so I think we have to let him into those deep areas of what we're so afraid of. And that's when we find contentment and hope in him and not hope in circumstances. And we can hope because we know that he'll, he will meet it. We just have to be open to how he chooses to meet that need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Boom. We're <Excellent>. done. <laughs> and wrap it up. Just kidding. Um, I do have my yeah. next question in though is, is with all of this on a tangible note. Yeah. Like, I think this is, this is the big question now is how do we, okay, right. We're hoping in God and hope, being hopeful for what he has mm-hmm. while being content with what it is and trusting. But how do we move forward? Like, mm-hmm. I think this comes up a lot when it's like seasons of waiting. Like, do you just sit back and you're like, God's going to bring somebody to me. I don't need to do anything. If he decides <laughs> he wants to do it, I can sit here in my room and someone will knock on the window. And that's that. Which, let's be real, he's done crazier things before. Could happen. Or you have like the flip side where somebody's like, I'm on every dating app. I'm like right. showing up everywhere. I am doing all the things because if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's like the next question of like when we have desires and are waiting and wanting, how do we move forward and follow him while being in the waiting? You know, mm-hmm. Anna Graham, over to you. I don't have the answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, well, I'm currently there. So if someone (laughs) has the answers for me, let me know. No, Um, no, I think that's a great question. I think, well, I think it's interesting because even in, um, in this, there's um, like, I've just been, I don't want to say hearing as if I get like some magical word from the Lord, Um, but I have just felt the Lord say like, Lord, Anna, just, just wait upon me, like wait, wait upon the Lord, like trust and rest in his providence and in his presence in your life right now. And in his providence, like he does have you in Connecticut and he does have you as someone who's single and who doesn't have kids and who's 30. I mean, talk about fears. Like 
I think that was the difference between when I was single and 25 and single and 30 in the medical world. I'm like, well, I'm about there to be advanced maternal line. age yeah. and there's a time clock. And... People are going to start calling you geriatric. You're like, yes. that's just <laughs> like, wild. Goodness. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, literally a week ago I had a meeting at, at church and the devotional was out of, um, Psalm 27. And at the end it says like, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Just wait for the Lord. Um, and so I think in what we talked about of like feeling that this desperate heart had turned into a dependent heart, I think in that I can have, I mean, we can draw confidence from Christ in that, okay, like I am strong and secure and confident in who I am and who the Lord has me to be while also desiring these things. And so, I mean, if you were to ask my brother, he always is like, and it's just all about the at-bats, just get more at-bats. And so <laughs> he he is a big proponent for me going on dating apps, which I have done in the past. Um which that was a whole thing in of itself. Um, I really resisted going on dating apps for a really long time. Um, part of that was my pride. Part of me was like, just, it feels really consumeristic at times. And yeah. And it actually was my brother who created my first Swipe. profile on an app. Um, <laughs> That's a good brother. <laughs> it was funny. Wow. I hope Cal and Quinn are like that. One day. <laughs> yeah. He was like, either he's like, well, I'm going to do this. Um, and either you have a say in it or I'm just going to do it and you don't have a say in it. <laughs> so I'll have a say. Great. So yeah, he did that. So I did do it. I'm not currently on apps, um, right now, but I think, yeah, I think, I think it's different for every person. I think, um, for me, I, it is more like vulnerable, I guess, to, to put myself out there because I think I am, I am definitely someone who's more of like, I'm going to, like, if the Lord wants me to be with someone, then, like, he's going to plop them into my lap, you know? And mm-hmm. sometimes it does happen like that. And I and yeah. I hear those stories. And and so I think, but I think even with the dating apps, just realizing, like, this may be an avenue where the Lord has me meet someone. And, like, who am I to say otherwise? Like, it was my pride that was holding me back. It wasn't out of this, like, great concern for what dating apps are and what they do. So, um yeah. And I think it's a it's it's once again like oh so much of this is making us go deep but like evaluating the deeper fear again mm-hmm. but because because it can be fear keeping us like I'm afraid of being vulnerable I'm afraid of getting hurt yeah. so therefore I'm not going to step out um, or I'm afraid that if I don't do this and take all the action in my own hands then it'll never be answered mm-hmm. and like once again it's like just kind of having to trust that the Lord is able to do all things like he's able to do more than we ask or imagine first of all so like trusting that like we're not going to miss out i loved this imp- like impression that um or not impression but this image that gosh who was it oh what's his name i know i know this guy's name he wrote blue like jazz you know you know that guy no no um a million miles in a thousand years or something no <laughs> oh shoot what's his name he's the portland guy Lives in Nashville now. Oh, okay. Anyways, sorry, everybody. I will think of this guy. It'll be in the show notes. He's a big author. Friends with Bob Goff. Anybody nope. out there? Uh, people <laughs> listening to this are like, why do you not know They're this? cringing. Okay. 
<laughs> but he said, like, walking with God isn't like walking on a tightrope. Mm-hmm. It's like walking in to a family dinner and you sit down and like there's a buffet spread and God's like, okay, what do you want? Let me help you create this. And sometimes it doesn't mean that it's always going to be answered, but God wants us to be a part of that process. Mm -hmm. He's not waiting for us to fall off the tightrope because we made a wrong decision. He's asking us for sit down to sit down and like make a meal with him. Like let's set out this platter before him. And sometimes he's going to go, Hey, I know you really want that cotton candy for dinner. I don't know who wants cotton candy for dinner. Fairy floss is what they call it in Australia. I know you really want that for dinner, but like, I really think you need green beans right now because you need some green beans. Like Mm -hmm. he's a dad, right? But that's a part of the beauty is like, he's looking at us with this very fatherly heart and we're not going to miss out, but we are like, we can have the freedom to step into what feels right to us. Mm -hmm. And I remember somebody said this to me. um, This is like why I moved to Portland, which Anna, you know the story. Like I moved to Portland because I said I wanted to marry someone from the Pacific Northwest. I literally (laughs) was like, I live in Pennsylvania. I have dated some guys here. There's no one here that seems like what I would want. The the Southern guys, kind of the same. I'm the opposite of Anna. Like the idea of getting up and going hunting one morning doesn't really do it for me. Like... (laughs) Um, yeah i post this in our next trip together i was like yeah let's go to like montana and go fly fishing and go hunting and kitty was like hunting really hunting really <laughs> okay although we are most likely yes. going fly fishing this summer yes that but will still be awesome anyways in keep with your what was your tightrope let's go but but my point was like but so this guy said this to me, um, this older man who was like a mentor and he was like, Hey, if you like, don't feel like this is where God has the type of husband you want to be with, then like you can like go and you can step into that. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, for me, there was freedom to step and I had to give myself that freedom. Like I can step out and move across the country. And if it's not this and the doors closed, that's fine. But I like, mm-hmm. I put myself out there and you made yourself vulnerable for it. And that's hard, but that's trusting the Lord. Mm-hmm. And whether that's showing up and going on a dating app or dates, or if you're me moving across the world, which is not the most pe- majority of people, that's just something crazy that I would do. <laughs> but it's like, I think it's that. It's giving yourself the freedom to say, I can step out and trust that he'll show up. And if he doesn't, it doesn't mean I stepped wrong. Yeah. It doesn't mean I stepped off the tightrope. It just means this isn't it. And um, I think that's where, like to answer your question, it's like, well, first we need to know like, where are we rooted in? And then if we know where we're rooted in, then we can be assured that he is writing our steps. And Mm -hmm. even if we misstep, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. you know, like the Lord is still providential in that. And I remember, Mm -hmm. um, I read this book called No Man is an Island by Thomas Merton. It's, it's great. It took me four years to get through. Um, But it's like is every, that a normal every like, sentence average you have reading? to no every okay. sentence you have to reread for a month, yeah. um, no. But and he said something about how like at some point in your life, the Lord's providence doesn't is not just this abstract ideal. It becomes like the very meat and potatoes in which you survive off of, and just realizing like the Lord is sovereign and the Lord does guide us and we can be confident in that. And that's something that I have to remind myself because, um, I think it's really easy to be like, Oh, like if, 
you know, even with my moving to Connecticut, I'm like, am I, am I doing the Lord's will? Like, am I supposed to be coming up here? And I spent the three months, like when I was first up here, convinced that I had made a mistake and like, and not that I do believe the Lord ordains mistakes, but he's also ordaining them, you know? Um, and, and I think just coming to a place of humility and going before the throne and going before the Lord and saying, yeah, Lord, this is my desire and I'm going to trust you and whatever steps you you take that in and if there's disappointment along the way um trusting that like the lord still is guiding that and and um and so i can be confident in continuing to to walk forward okay well now we should wrap this up because it's getting lengthy in the best way possible thanks for everyone sticking with us um because it was worth it but do you have anything else that you'd like to close with? I think just, I mean, I'll end with Isaiah 26. Um, mm. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord is an everlasting rock. Mm. Um, and so whether it's singleness, whether it's another desire, my hope for myself, you, and for anyone who might be listening to this is that we would know where our rock is and who our rock is. That's so good. Thanks so much for coming here and sharing all of that. Thanks for having me. This is my first um, ever podcast. So you one you really and done. Here we go. <laughs> and I will never do this again. Thanks. Yeah. Except for when you come back to talk about caring for the marginalized. Mm. And then you will come back. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would be a fun one. And we can talk about yeah. all of our, our fun travels. I know sleeping under the stars in the bush of Africa, hearing the new exorcisms outside of our tent. Nothing like it. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today and showing up for another episode with us at the Woman Amidst podcast. And just so thankful for Anna um, and taking her time to be here and share her heart, which is so beautiful. I learned so much from her. Watching her go through just the journey that the Lord has her on, um, it's encouraged my faith so much and I hope it encourages yours. And we're sorry for leaving you guys on a cliffhanger. Hopefully the next time she comes on, we can tell you all about those exorcisms we got to experience in Africa. It was really thrilling and just sleeping under the stars and some of the other really cool things that we've got to share together. So we're really glad that you guys came today. As always, if you love this podcast, share it with your friends, share it on Instagram, connect with us at The Woman Amidst on Instagram, or you can find me at Katie Ray Bodie there as well. So we're glad to have you and we'll see you next time.
Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> really appreciate you and your friendship and that you came on this podcast. Really grateful for you, Katie Ray. Okay. okay.